Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Let's read the scripture. Hallelujah. Let me read a little scripture out of Genesis. Genesis chapter 30, or no, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 28. God, do not allow the spirit of jet lag for Phil and Meredith to jump on me. I bind it, I loosed it, I cast it out. I, t- I send it back to Australia from which it came. Genesis chapter 28, I'm going to start at verse 10 and just read through the chapter, okay, everybody? Genesis chapter 28, verse number 10, and Jacob went out from Beersheba, and he went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to the heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac and the land where you lie and sleep I will give it to you and to your seed and your seed shall be as the dust of the earth and they shall spread abroad to the west and to the east to the north and to the south and in you and your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed and behold I am with you and I will keep you in all of the places where you go and will bring you again unto this land for I will not leave thee until I have done everything that I have spoken to thee of and Jacob awakened out of his sleep and he said surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not and he was afraid awe-stricken and he said how dreadful the word is awesome is this place this is none other but the house of God and this is the gate of heaven and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had set up for his pillows and he poured oil made it a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it he called the name of that place Bethel house of God It was before called Luz. And Jacob vowed a vow and saying, If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. I want to preach to you just for a today about about there is power in this place there is power somebody needs to know it because your life is spinning out of control but there is power 
in this place. Somebody else needs to hear it because you can't make sense out of anything that's happening right now. But there is power in this place. Say that loud with me one time. There is power in this place. You can be seated here. God bless you. There's power in this place. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are the foundation of all those who will believe are built upon. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When people prayed, they prayed that prayer. I prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's, it's interesting to watch how this walks out and works out because Abraham is, is, is the man. Father Abraham has many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. And Abraham is, is remarkable because he is the man without a prototype, without an example, without much help, with no one who can counsel him, starts a new way. Everyone who will come after him that believes in the one true living God walks into the new way that Abraham started. Nobody showed him how to do it. Nobody told him how to do it. He just knew there was a new way. And he went out not really looking, knowing what he was looking for. The Bible said that Abraham went out looking, not knowing where he was going. He didn't have a map, but looking for a city whose builder and whose maker was God. I want to thank God today for all the Abrahams in the house. Whether you're young or whether you're old, you are the first person potentially in your family to start a new way. And you, you, you're being a father to your sons. And maybe you didn't have a prototype in front of you, but you determined to start a new way. I want to say amen and God bless you. You're here in this house and you're a, a woman and, and you want to start a new way that you are known by more than just your physical appearance. More than just household chores. Something in you that says, I can do something. I can lead something. I can do something. And, and you didn't have an example or a role model, but you decided that you can start a new way. I want to say amen for all the new way people. The new way people that became the first person in your family to break something. The first person in your family to start something. The first person in your family to go to levels that nobody else has gone. I'm, I need to get to the rest of the message, but I can't get past the fact of thinking without an Abraham, nothing comes behind it. 
and you may be in Abraham, male or female in the house, but you're the first person in your family to do something. And right here, we want to thank God for you. Matter of fact, if you're one of those people and you are the first person, it might be to graduate from college. It might be to buy your own home. It might be to make God the center of your life and to keep your family together. Whatever it is, if, you're, if you are a new way person, jump up on your feet right now. And I want everybody to thank God with me and for me for the new way. Woo. New way. New way. Uh, we don't take it lightly because those who come after you uh, can't do it without what you have done. And it's a little bit interesting to be able to do something by which no one has done in front of you. And uh, like Abraham, you don't know always what you're looking for, but you know that the builder and the maker is God. The thing about Abraham is, is, is it's a great thing to relate to, but Abraham seems to be the guy that gets most of everything right. He has a few bumps in the roads, but Abraham is classic. Abraham then, of course, hands off to Isaac. And then Isaac is a generation as well. Isaac is like, a, he, is, he is the compliant heir of the inheritance. You can't find a lot of fault with Isaac. Seemed like a pretty good guy. And he's the guy that we know mostly because when his father said to him that the Lord God has spoken to me to take you up to a mountain and you're going to be the sacrifice, somehow Isaac found it in himself to be okay with it. My name is not Isaac. That's Isaac. Isaac is the compliant heir. He doesn't even choose his own wife. His dad chooses it for him. He's compliant. Isaac is like kind of that easy guy. Like, I like the new way. My father started the new way. Isaac, like, I like the new way. Then we just roll with it. Abraham begets Isaac, and Isaac is blessed. He's a good guy. He doesn't take up a lot of space, but he's a good guy. So, so when things get tough, he does what his father did. He digs the wells, builds the altars. Isaac is the compliant son who receives the heir of the promise. And it's funny because he knows what Abraham did because it was an oral tradition. They're not passing down scrolls and books, and so they're telling stories. And uh, Abraham is always telling Isaac. That's how Isaac knows what the wells are named. That's why he knows where they're at. That's why he knows where the wells are dug and where the altars are named and, and who the kings are to avoid. And what He knows it because Abraham rehearsed it over and over to him. Those of you who are of any age at all know that it's more, it seems more important to you to tell the story of your journey than it is to your kids. And the older that you get, 
Not only is, do you tell more stories, but you tell the same stories again and again because there's something in you that wants to make sure that those who are coming behind you understands how you got here. And you're trying to talk to them about how you grew up eating spam and the only spam they know is what comes on the internet. If you get a bad email, it's spam. If you get called on your phone by a robocall, it's spam. You're like, no baby, spam comes in a tin container and you can eat it with anything. You can fry it with some eggs. Oh yes, you can, you can make spam sandwiches. You don't even have to ask, don't ask me what spam is, it's, it's meat stuff. I ain't trying to figure out what it is. You talking about growing up eating spam, they so tired of hearing spam. But you keep telling them about spam because they got the nerve at 12 to go to a restaurant and order calamari. You talk about calamari. And so you want them to know how you went from spam to calamari. You tell it so many times, they won't even get calamari anymore because they know when they order calamari, they're going to get a spam story. Bishop, what should I do? Take them home. Feed them spam today in the name of Jesus. You're going to sit down. You're going to eat this spam. You're going to like it. Phil and Meredith, we're in Australia. We have our family group chat, you know. And Phil was taking the three boys around because it's home for Phil. Showing them this is where I went to school. <laughs> they went to where, where they were engaged. Spots that mean something to him. <laughs> to him. Them three boys don't care nothing <laughs> about your school. And so I sent him a little text just to remind him that you are entering into a season that the rest of us have been doing for a long time, and that is telling your kids stories they don't care nothing about. My, I saw my dad sitting up here today, and he, he has records of our family peoples going back to the Civil War and where they're buried. And, and this becomes the easiest way for me to tell him to stop because I don't have to say it to him personally <laughs> that I'm not going to Kentucky and visiting somebody's gravesite. Take a picture of it and send it to me. <laughs> and he tells me stories. Why do we have this need, Abraham? Why do you have this need, new way person? 
to tell the story because it's important to you that those who come after you know we didn't just show up here. Whatever we have and whatever we don't have, we didn't just drop off a truck by ourselves. But there's a knowing on the inside of you that didn't even make sense while it was happening that God was with you in every step of the journey and it cost you a little something to get there but you are also aware that had it not been for the Lord who was on your side and you tell that story and you rehearse that story because they don't have a context because they've been so blessed they never ate no spam and you want them to know how the Lord brought us this far I got to get on though because it's Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, the founder of the new way, and Isaac, who is the compliant son. And then all of a sudden, we get dropped into this equation, Jacob. Jacob is another thing. Abraham don't make that many mistakes. He makes a few, but he doesn't have anybody to tell him any stories. Isaac is the compliant son. He knows how to redig wells and build altars and do the stuff because Abraham told him the stories. Jacob is, is in this line and he hears the stories, but Jacob is a different thing. J Jacob's life takes up more of the book of Genesis than any other person. This is so typical of Jacob. He sucks the oxygen out of everything. Even the book of Genesis. <laughs> Jacob is born in Genesis chapter 25 and dies in chapter 49. And Genesis only has 50 chapters. And take up the whole second half. Jacob. I would, I would say to you that the reason he takes up so much space is, his, is out of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is by far the most complicated and the most conflicted. And maybe, for some of us, the most easy to relate to. Abraham is a little harder to relate to because he's, he's, he gets it all right most of the time. Isaac is, is okay to relate to because, you know, he's, he's going along. Jacob is another thing. Jacob is another thing. If you read the life of Jacob, you'll, you'll understand his life is complicated all the way through it. The thing about Jacob is that he came out of the womb that way. Came out of the womb that way. The word of the Lord came to his mother. The word of the Lord came to his mother and said, you're having twins. And two nations are in your womb. They will struggle within your womb. Two nations and two manner of men are in your womb. And the elder shall serve the younger. She knew this. She could feel the wrestling. And so you know the story that when they are born, Jacob reaches and grabs Esau's heel because Esau is being born first. Now you are somebody 
went from jump street. You don't want somebody ahead of you. Now, that's a nature. That is a nature of being that was not taught to him. He just came out that way. Those of you that have raised children know you can raise however many kids you want to in the same house with the same room, the same teacher, the same stuff, and they came out of the womb with certain stuff. That's just them. Now here's, here's Jacob grabs, grabs Esau's heel almost as if to say, I don't want someone ahead of me. And so we know that though they are twins, they are not identical twins because we can tell that by their description. Esau is a hunter. All implications are that Esau is big and strong and likes the field. And, and the Bible tells us that his father, Isaac, favors him because he's what Isaac wants him to be. Tough and killing stuff. All of that. But, Jake, uh, but, but Jacob's mother has this thing that she knows what God has said. And Jacob is different. He likes to cook. Hang out at the house. He ain't trying to kill nothing. And there he is in the house, his brother, big and strong, out in the field. Can I preach it? And the thing is now that it's coming time for Isaac to pass. And we see that Jacob is going to do what he normally does which is to find a way to not let Esau get ahead of him. <laughs> Jacob is cunning. That's what the Bible tells us. He's a little bit sneaky. If you could hear him talk, he might say something like, you might be stronger than me, but I bet you ain't smarter than me. And he starts off early. Esau comes home from hunting. Jacob is cooking. Esau says, I'm about to die. I'm so hungry. I feel like I'm going to die. Jacob says, I've been making some stew. Smells so good. Esau's like, I'm just hungry. I'm going to die. That's his words. I'm going to die. I'm so hungry. Jacob says, I'm paraphrasing. Jacob says, I could give you some of this stew. You know, put it at him. Yeah, I'll take this. Well, I'll give you the stew for your birthright. Jacob's like, you might be stronger than me, but you're not smarter than me. And he hands it to him, and his brother easily gives up his birthright for a bowl of stew. I don't have time to preach that message. That's another message. But the, but the message in the message tells us that what God loved about Jacob was that even though he was going about it the wrong way, even from a youth, he had the mind of someone who could pass down a blessing to another generation because that's what he wanted. And what he didn't like, what God did not like about Esau was the fact that Esau had it put in his lap and he didn't care about it. So now it's time for the blessing to be handed down from the father. And Jacob 
Jacob does. He's trying to figure out, I already got it from Esau, now I got to get the blessing from my father. And his mother comes in, and she helps him. The, the point that I'm trying to make here is that to get to where you're supposed to be, Jacob, you have to have somebody who can see you. I don't know how that fits with, with everybody, but you have to have somebody who can see you. Somebody who sees in you what you may not be able to see yet yourself. There's someone who is, who is able to look into your life and even see as a young person when you are acting out that you're acting out is an attention grabber to say there's something in you that is seeking expression and doesn't know where to go for expression and if somebody doesn't see them that expression will take a negative turn I believe that we are living in a time when we see so many young people who seem adrift and seem as if they have no direction or aim in life and I believe that they need somebody to see them and to be able to say, I see you. The most, the most powerful influence on a child's life is the parent of the same sex. For the man to be able to teach his son what it means to be a man. For a mother to be able to teach her daughter what it means to be a woman. And in the absence of that influence, somebody has to see you. And she may not have known that her husband was going to prefer Esau. But from the beginning, Jacob's mother could see him. And so she helped him. And he gets, this, he gets the blessing. Gets the blessing. All right. He's going to need this blessing because if you track with his life, it's going to be so many things. The things with Laban, the things when he has a family giving birth to all the, his family giving birth to all these boys and the youngest one being Joseph and all, all of the things that will come. He's going to need something. And God who is good knows exactly what you need. So now Jacob is going. Coming to my text and then I'll be done. He comes to what the Bible calls a certain place. And when he gets there, he has this dream. There is power in a place. If you give me a couple of minutes, I'm going to tell you that there is power in a place. Without a place, people become vagabonds. Without a place, you become nomads. Without a place, you become rootless. Without a place, you don't have a foundation. Without a place, you don't know where you fit. Without a place, you don't know what to do. Without a place, you don't know how to build. God knows that Jacob needs a place. Besides the people who influence us, us, one of the greatest influences of our life 
is our place. Where are we? Has something to do. Andres Pena grew up in Mexico City. Mexico City is one of the largest cities in the world. 30 million people. Five or six times the size of New York City. They may say about New York City that it is the city that never sleeps. I would say about Mexico City, it ain't never even took a nap. It is running all the time. 30 million people and traffic signs and traffic lights are suggestions. With the traffic of 30 million people, red, means slow down if you think about it. <laughs> Yield signs mean nothing. <laughs> I don't know. But this was Andrew Pena's place. It may not mean that much to you until I start thinking about what it means for teenagers to get a driver's license. I see from time to time young people in the church getting driver's license and I, I, I log their face into my mind so that if I see them on Dussel Drive, I'm parking. <laughs> if I see them kids driving, I'm on Dussel Drive, I'm parking. But how then does a young person get a driver's license in a city where the traffic supports 30 million people. But it's normal if that's your place. The power of place. Have you ever seen the pictures of people in developing parts of the world where water is not close to them? And people will be carrying water on their heads, no hands, walking with water. You have a hard time getting your kids to turn the dishwasher on. <laughs> the difference is the power of place. I say that because this is somewhat important to me because when, when Jacob lands on that place, he goes to sleep and he has a dream. And in that dream, he sees a ladder that reaches from heaven and earth. Angels ascending and descending and God is above the ladder. And he says, I'm the Lord God of Abraham, the starter of the new way. I'm the God of Isaac, the compliant son, but I'm also your God. And I'm gonna give this land to those who are coming after you and you're going to be telling some stories too. And he awakens out of the sleep. We read the story. I don't have to complicate it with you by reading it again. But here's what I wanted to tell you. There is power in a place. Everybody's got to have a place. I said everybody's got to have. You've got to have some place that you're planted. You've got to have some place that is your place. You got to have some place by which you are grounded, some place by which you understand that this is the place 
that I build from. And in that place, how do I identify that place? It doesn't seem that difficult to me. He said, I, God was in this place. I just didn't know it. Doesn't it take a little experience in life to realize that God is with you in a place and you weren't even aware that he was with you in that place? And he calls it the house of God. Coming to my end now. When I say that and get no amens, that's a good sign. All right. So, the power of a place, the reason I say that is because my concern and, and my heart to say to you today is we cannot afford to allow a generation of people to rise up that don't have a sacred place. Because Abraham started a new way by faith, and Isaac was a compliant son, and Jacob is struggling trying to find his way, and isn't it interesting that if he's going to find his way, God shows him, you're going to have to have a place. You're going to have to have a place. And if you find your place, you will know it because you will dream. And when you dream, the heavens will open. The heavens will open over your life and your dreams will come to you when you find your place. And his dream is about a ladder that touches heaven and earth and angels, and descend, angels ascending and descending. And what I want to say to you about that is when you find your place, you will dream about things that God will show you may be out of your grasp, but they are not unattainable because he's going to put a ladder there. God, how do I get from here to my dream? God says, I'm going to give you a ladder, but the ladder belongs in a place. It's in that place that he awakens and says that God was in this place. I didn't know it. And he takes the stone that was a pillow and he pours oil on it. Your place it's what you make sacred by the oil you pour on it. I'm going to say it out loud so you can hear it. This is a special place. I'm not afraid to say it. And it's not special because of the carpet that Phil will soon get rid of. And, it will be, and what a day of rejoicing that will be, I'm sure. It is, not, it's not, it is not a special place because the drywall came in from Jerusalem. It is not a special place because the rocks come from some. It is a special place because here we dream. And here the heavens are open. And here we recognize it by pouring our oil into a place to make it sacred and to mean that it's valuable and to mean that it's important that to continue on this way that Abraham started, I got to have a place. I got to have a place. And it was in that place where the oil is poured out that he begins to realize and he makes this statement. Hear me when I say this to you. He makes a statement that goes like this. If the Lord God will keep me, 
in all the other places that I go and bring me again unto this place. Then the Lord will be my God. The reason you got to have a place is because you don't get to live in this place. When you leave this place, you got to go to other places. But if you have a place, then you can say to God, if you will be with me in all the places, that I will come again unto this place. Okay, you're missing my theology. I think you're getting it, but I, I, I got to break it down now, then I'm going to leave. I'm going to break it down. I believe we are living in a Jacob generation that is in the need for the Abrahams and the Isaacs to continue to tell them the stories because they are looking for their place. They're looking for their place and they're struggling and fighting and acting out in all kinds of ways because they have yet to find their sacred place. And that's why it becomes Hard for people who have been around for a while to even comprehend because the world that the Jacobs are living in look nothing like the world that Abraham and Isaac came up in. Who am I talking to? And you think to yourself, week by week, the world has lost its mind. Not just one part of the world. Everybody is cuckoo over Cocoa Puffs. Everybody has a lost. Thank you. Am I right about this? Please tell me I'm not the only person that wakes up and goes like, what is going to happen today? Who is going to say what? Who is going to do? Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Are you kidding me? And so the Abraham and Isaacs, because we are in the generation in America where we have at least three or four generations alive at the same time. And the Abrahams are like, no, no, no. That's why, that's why they have shows on TV like on the History Channel, like the, 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 the companies that built America and the food that built America. And we learn about Henry Ford because we were driving cars. And, and now you're raising up a generation of people that don't even know what it means to roll down a window. <laughs> we used to have to roll down. This ain't, that ain't rolling down a window. This is rolling down a window. And when you had those windows that you had to roll down, everybody could tell you that sooner or later they're going to get off track. And you can roll it halfway down and you got to help it get up. And you're talking to people who have never rolled down a window. That's why it's the generation where they're going to make self-driving cars. <laughs> so, so the world is different the world is different and the Abrahams and Isaacs are trying to say how do we get the Jacobs on track 
Everybody says the same thing. I'm just going to say it out loud. Everybody says the same thing when we see the shootings going on in our city. Everybody says the same thing. Where's your mom and dad at? How are you out running in the street with a gun at 15? Everybody says the same stuff. I can't fix everything, but I came to tell you something. I believe that some of the things that we see is a result because people no longer have a place. They don't have a place because somehow they have taken their planting in the house of God and put it under having a hobby. You come when you get ready. You praise when you feel like it. If something else doesn't get in the way, you give yourself to it. I'm not here today to build church membership. I'm here today to tell you that I have spent long enough doing this to tell you that the future will hold us repairing the children that you are building who are rootless. We have gotten to such a degree in the world, in our country, until it almost seems as if people feel like church is an option. I'm not just talking about everybody. I'm talking about Christians. They act like it's an option to go to church or to be connected online. They, they act like it's an option. But God created everybody to have a place. I'm going to preach it like I want to. If you don't have a place, you don't have a foundation. If you're not planted, you can't prosper. It is not the job of the church to get behind your dream and make it come to pass. I have watched generations of people come through the church and take the principles and the blessing and the power of what they got in this place and then run off with it like it works anywhere. But it only works when you put God first in your life and you can, cannot be what God wants you to be if you don't have a connection to the place that God gave you. Somebody say, I hear you. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. Because we have a loss of our priorities when we don't have a place. I'm done. I'm done. But here's the thing about place. If you don't have a place, you don't have any place to sort out all the crazy voices going on in the world. And the Jacob generation is rising up where everybody thinks they're a prophet and their, their only indication that they're a prophet is the 12 people follow them on social media when they prophesy from their kitchen counter. I thought one time I was going to do a little experiment and go buy a bag of fortune cookies and crack them open and just read what it says every morning and see how many followers I would get. <laughs> fortune cookie prophecies. People will call themselves an apostle who has never built anything. Who ain't got no church who have tried to put on an equal level 
the five people sitting up in their house with the place that God has chosen to put his name there. See how quiet it's getting? I'm saying that, my brothers and sisters. I'm not saying it because I had to worry about it in them. I ain't got to worry about it in them. But the Jacob generation has to worry about them because every day somebody's saying something. Everybody's got a voice. Everybody's got something to say. And if you don't have a place where God speaks to you to sort out all the mess that's going on in the world, you're going to be bumping and bouncing and tripping all the days of your life. You have to have a place. Can I preach a little bit longer? Thank you very much because we have people that when you lose your priorities, you start raising your children and you're just as happy for them to marry a professional person as a Christian. And you want us to be happy with you. And we are happy, kind of. Because you keep telling me, he's marrying her and she's marrying him and know they're great. They've been through college and they got to and they do that. Are they saved? Where do they go to church? Who is their pastor? Well, now you're speaking in tongues. <laughs> but how can you build a life with someone who doesn't have any grounding? With someone who doesn't have a foundation. You trying to build a life of permanency with a temporary person. Oof. I'm concerned about us trying to raise a generation that needs grounding when people don't have any sacred place. And it's important to have a place. He says in that place, God keeps me in all the other places. See, if you have a place, God will keep you in any place. Any place I need to go. My job, your family reunions. Somebody just joined the church just now. If God will keep me in my family reunions, certainly if everything God gives me a tenth, it's worth a tenth at least. Because your place is a place where you make your vows. That's what I want to say to you. It's a place where you make your vows. You know, sometimes we quote this scripture out of 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. But if you read that within the context, it will tell you, I think it's maybe, maybe if this will be for real, the end. Maybe like, what is that? Verse 12. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm in the old church. I need somebody to read. I need to say to them, read. Yeah, watch, and the Lord God appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen, what's it say? This place. I've chosen this place, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens and there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence upon my people, we could just go on and on. If there's a war in the Ukraine, if there's trouble in your economy, if there's a shortage of baby food, all of these things are happening. Keep, keep with me on my scriptures, please. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Everybody stops there, but you've got to get the context. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears to attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. God gave Solomon the power of place and told him when you are in that temple, when you pray there, my eyes are turned towards there. Yes, God can hear you anywhere, but God wants to know, do you have a place? Do you honor a place? Do you recognize a place? Because it is your disrespect of the place that God gave you to indicate that you don't understand that it's God who will bless you. And when I show up, when I pay my vows, when I dream my dreams, that's my way of saying the Lord is my God and this is my place everybody stand everybody stand everybody stand everybody stand everybody stand everybody stand that can my place my place my home court the place where God gives you the laboratory of the classroom i know you read the book but now you got to go into the laboratory you read all them verses on forgiveness god said i'm gonna drop you in a big place with a lot of people you're gonna have to have it out with somebody <laughs> i can't tell you to carry one another's burdens unless i put you in a place where somebody around you potentially is going to have a burden to see can you carry it I'm going to put you in a place like David where he said, I was glad when they said unto me. I know you can praise God by yourself. David was pretty good at it. He praised God out there with the sheep. But he was still glad when they said unto him, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because that's where we go up together. May God give us the recognition that there is power in a place. There's power in a place. And it doesn't make it better or worse or something. It has to do with the fact that it's the place that God has given you. God gives every person a place. Proverbs says it this way. A man that is easily removed from his place is like a bird that wanders from its nest. You know what that means? A bird lays its eggs in a nest its future is in its nest and if that bird is easily moved from there its future is devoured because it's easily removed it is important for you to raise your children in church it is important to bring your family to church it is important it is important if I gave to you a list today of the things that, that all of us remember from childhood, not church-related, just childhood, that we learn through songs. We teach kids ABCs through songs. I grew up with Schoolhouse Rock. I could still sing Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Hooking words together and making them work out right. Conjunction Junction. That's what I'm saying. 
That's what I'm saying. You may not be able to name the apostles, but by God, you got conjunction, junction. <laughs> Do we not owe it? Abraham's, Sarah's, Rebecca, Isaac. Do we not owe it to thus those who are coming up at a different time when things seem to be unhinged? Do we not owe it to them to tell them how we made it over and to give to them a place that is sacred, that they reverence, that they pause in the middle of a chaotic world to hear something that helps them sort out. And I say them because it's easier for us to do that, but all of us, where we're not just hearing from people who agree with us, but we are brought to the place where we must submit to the word of God and say, this is what God has said. My brothers and sisters, my prayer is coming to you now because you will have, I think, the blessing that Jacob had when God said, I'm going to bless you. And your kids are going to be like the stars of the sky. I, I, I'm prophesying a bunch of kids. I'm just saying the blessing. <laughs> the blessing is that they will inherit something from you because you had the strength to show them that some places are different than other places and school and church is not the same thing and you and your friends sitting in your house with the Bible in the middle of it is not the same thing as the church and you getting a scripture a day sent to your phone is not the same thing as a church and things have their place, but when you take a substitute and a supplement and make it a substitute, when you take something that should be in addition to, there's, there's something that you lose in the middle of it. This is my prayer today. Did I say I was quitting? Quitting right now. Quitting right now. Under the sound of my voice, under the sound of my voice, there are people under the sound of my voice. You believe in God, but really belief is not determined by what box you would check off on some application or some survey. Belief is determined by action. Some 70% of people in America say they believe in God. They believe in a God. They believe in God, but are you believing God really should be some kind of corresponding action. My prayer today is that you would understand the value of place. And I'm preaching now to say to everyone who is able to say, this is my place. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And a lot of great things happen here. Fun things happen here. Barbecues happen after the service like they did last week. And we volunteer in our communities. We're going to have a daycare running in the back and, and all kinds of life groups and gatherings and all of those things. A lot of great things happen, but the thing that really holds it in my heart is that's 
my place. God talks to me there. The heavens open up to me there. There's a ladder for me to reach something that I couldn't reach on my own there. It's a place for me to perform my vows there. It's a place where I come to thank God that he kept me in all the places I had to be there. And I didn't always know it, but the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. I'm praying a prayer right now for everybody that will say, whether, whether you're long time, I like to say an OG or a newbie. Whether you're OG or a newbie, you say, I want to thank God. I need to decree it, declare it, stick my feet down, and say, this is my place. Everybody can agree with that. Put your hand up right where you're at. Put your hand up all over this building. This is my place. These are my peoples. I got some funny peoples. I got some peoples in transition. I got some people who's in motion. I got some peoples. This is my place. These are my people. He is my God. And now I proclaim blessing over you and everything connected to you. Everybody that looks at you. Nothing can shake you or break you because you have a place. Let the Labans try, but you got a place. Jacob will live through his daughter being raped and violated and the tension in his family. He will live through it because he has a place. He will live through all kinds of struggles and troubles, but he has a place. And I decree and declare over you that the Lord God give you a place and that you're able to say it and declare, declare it and decree it that I am planted. I have a foundation. I may not be Abraham. It may not be Isaac. But even Jacob can find his place.